0: Michael McDonald and I'm Seth Steele and this week we'll be discussing the happiness report as well as our feelings the fulfillment disappointment that all kind of relates to anticipation when it comes to film and finally we'll be doing a rundown of what we've been watching but first if you weren't following TMM on social media this week you might have missed our reviews for the mule bumblebee the social network synecdoche new york and the rocketeer yeah so I thought uh, I was just listening to a podcast today, and I heard uh, heard this thing, and I thought I would just bring it up because uh, I, I felt like it kind of goes to the heart of some of my feelings about film, yeah. even though it doesn't seem directly related. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to a podcast, The Relevant Podcast, which was also kind of an inspiration for me to eventually start podcasting, and they were talking about um, The Happiness Report. Okay. Which is a big study that I think it's mostly done through Google that uh, basically takes the, like, hierarchy of needs and all of this other, like, these social measures that basically determine, like, how well off a country is and things like that. Okay. Or how happy their people are and kind of ranks all the countries. And they've been doing this for years. Yeah. And... uh, one of the one of the things that was they brought up, which was really interesting, is the um the top country in the world with the happiest people. Uh, what would you guess? that was the the happiest country on earth, Seth? Probably
1: like Switzerland or like something like that. Finland, Finland. Okay, so right. I was close. Right, right. Yeah. And they
0: they were all kind of guessing, uh, kind of the same thing. Nordic countries. Yeah, uh, actually, six out of the top seven are Nordic countries. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah. They, they seem and, to have their stuff together over there. Yeah. So. And one, of the, one of the things that they brought up was the way that – is that the U.S. was number 19. That doesn't surprise me either. And that it has been steadily falling. That doesn't for, surprise me either. For years. And they tried to look at – they they try to, like, kind of break down these social measures and say, like, why that is.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and one of their – Sort of theories like these are obviously not hard scientific studies, but one of their theories about why that is, is because of the way the difference between Americans and how we consume media Hmm. compared to other countries. That is kind of interesting because in Finland, while they still have uh, a lot of the the same the same uh, media pressures and things like that, a lot of the same media content. Uh, Like they've got Netflix. (laughs) They've got all the same stuff that we do, maybe with some slightly different programming. Yeah. But the big difference is what they choose to consume. And the one of the big things in America that they've seen change over the last especially 10 years. Yeah. Is the rise of Instagram culture and selfies. Mm hmm. Uh, also the rise of reality programming and the change in reality programming where it used to be kind of like game shows and things like that. And now it bec- it is more and more like, look at these people's lives. Yeah. And they're, they're, one of their theories then is that we consume media in such a way that in, basically inflames our envy. Yeah, I could totally
1: see that. Like like Kim Kardashian and stuff like yep. that. That's like super popular right now. Like I work for uh, a Fox 17, like a morning show. Um, and we constantly run stories about Kim Kardashian and like all these other celebrities. And every time we do, I'm like, why am I doing this right now? Yeah. Like, why am I force feeding garbage down these people's throats? Right. Like, I have to edit a package about Kardashians sometimes. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, nobody needs to know this crap. But yeah, yeah so I totally get that. If you're right. coming at it And that's that actually standpoint. like
0: one of the examples they gave is they're like, you know, it's even in the name keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. Like it used to be keeping up with the Joneses. Like, the people next door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, w- that used to be the American dream. Mm-hmm. But now, the American dream has become, become super wealthy. Yeah. Not become content. <laughs> not become, like, not just have, like, a nice little life full of laughter and friends and all of that it's i need to be super rich
1: yeah super wealthy and i need it now it feels like too actually
0: like instant gratification has become a big thing and the way that we go to social media for um like if you like let's say you need to spend the weekend at home because you're overwhelmed Mm -hmm. uh some of the more unhappy people in the world what their first impulse is is to get on instagram or Mm -hmm. to get on facebook and what they see are the highlight reels of their friends doing yeah. things this weekend. And, and all they do is compare. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's just like, I feel like this is really important because it's it's kind of one of my main like messages to people about like the dangers of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I've been trying to say this for years. And uh, for the most part, I feel <laughs> the problem has been I've been saying it to mostly people who don't care about media at all. <laughs> and those people are like, yeah, I... Don't have any problem with Instagram. I'm not getting on. Yeah. Uh, but like for people like us who are really into media. Yeah. I think I you seem like a relatively happy person to me. Yeah. And I like for all of my depression issues and all of those things, I've told Katie before that I feel like I'm above averagely happy. Yeah. And I really do think that part of it is I'm really discerning about what I watch. Mm -hmm. Like, I really pay attention to movies or music or whatever it is and how it affects my mood. Mm -hmm. And at some times in my life, I'm better at it than others. Yeah. But... Absolutely. Well, I mean, I was just talking to
1: you before uh, this podcast actually about how I was in the mood for a lighter movie because I like I just had too much crap going on in my life and I was uh it was me debating between About Time and Chocolat and I ended up watching Chocolat. <laughs> and that is not a movie I'm going to run out and tell everybody that I watched, but hey, I mean, it put me in a great mood to like carrying over to the mm-hmm. next day even. And, I mean, sometimes that's all you need is you need to know your own mood when you go into a movie and know that media can't affect you. Like, I'm not saying you're going to run out and shoot a whole bunch of people if you watch a movie with a school shooting in it. But, yeah, it
0: does affect your psyche a little bit. Yeah, and, like, being aware of how it does that is Mm -hmm. super important because, like, I remember back in the early aughts, I was really into indie music and stuff Mm -hmm. and super into Bright Eyes and Elliot Smith. And I still love that music. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. But I probably haven't listened to a full album of either one of those artists in years. Yeah. I can't because say I've gone back to my chemical romance and forever either. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, it, yeah. It's bad for my soul. Yeah. There you <laughs> like, go. <laughs> I've just arrived at that. And so I just want to encourage people to, like, be aware of what's going on in your heart when you're watching things. Like Yeah. Um, there's a reason there's a million home improvement shows out there and it's not because they it's not because they love you it's because they know if you watch them you will go to Home Depot <laughs> and that is very true like as much <laughs> as I know a lot of people love HGTV
1: mom I'm sorry if you're listening to this but I do think it's only there to sell you stuff and like coming at it like I work for a TV station so like I am the mm-hmm. person behind some of those paid segments if you want to go out and buy like a heater and dryer or, what, or or heater or whatever, I have probably made a commercial for you. So, yeah, yeah like, yeah. I'm sorry. That's, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that we put out there. And know that it is meant to sell you stuff.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. All right. <laughs> well, I... Hopefully uh, that helps some people out there. I don't know. I just thought it was really yeah, interesting. No, was cool. Look up the happiness report. It's a, it's a really interesting thing that happens every year and uh, kind of flies under a lot of people's radar, but just one of those interesting social things.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like I had heard it mentioned maybe on NPR or anything like that, but I don't think I ever really knew what it was. So thanks yeah.
0: for going into that. Cool. So- we're going to get started here talking about a movie that both of us were looking forward to for a long time.
1: Yes. and this So this kind of ties into our whole discussion about anticipation of
0: Right. Film. In fact, this is kind of how we – it was talking about this movie, really, that made us feel like we wanted to talk about this subject. Yeah. Is Us. Yes. Yeah. So Us is the movie that we're talking about first. Um, basically, we- anticipating this for a large – like to a large degree because get out was so phenomenal
1: yeah um i i I, like for me personally i think get Out's like a 4.5 out of five star movie for me Mm -hmm. i do think it's a little heavy-handed with its themes but as far as like modern horror it's really well well more of a modern thriller it's a really well done modern thriller with like really good political commentary
0: yeah it's more like it's not it's more like an atmospheric horror or yes or almost like a Almost like social horror. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it, it's not really any like. There's no boogeyman, like to like so to speak. There's, I mean, there's bad people yes. in it, but they're not really supernatural in any way. Mm-hmm. They're I mean, there's a little bit of an element there. I don't want to spoil it for people, but um, for the most part, what makes the movie unnerving. is is the social dynamic
1: yeah the the relation it's about a a black guy who goes to go visit his girlfriend uh and just kind of their his relationship with their parents and all of like their parents' rich friends um and kind of the way that they view him as kind of like an accessory almost to their daughter um and it becomes like kind of this weird like nuanced way of looking at uh racism like the face of racism today kind of um yeah. but I mean it has changed a lot, and that 's kind of, I feel like even in the past couple of years with trump 's election and i don 't want to throw everything on Trump, but I do think even within the past couple of years like uh the face of racism has definitely shifted uh in america yeah so yeah um
0: i, I don't know i I really was looking forward to us because that movie was so. Get Out was so, I think, poignant and mm-hmm. perfect for the time that it came out in. I Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I think Jordan Peele is a really great talent um, mm-hmm. and – Everybody was just eager to see what he was going to do next. Is he especially finding out that he's going to do a horror film? Mm-hmm. It's like, OK, is that going to be his shtick? Is that going to like you're kind of yeah. wondering? Well, I know like, he
1: said like he, I think there's like three or four of them that he's got planned that were all kind of a social horror commentary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this one was the next one coming out. And I actually ended up seeing this uh, a couple days before you did. Right. And I might have hyped it up a little bit. <laughs> like, I got really excited when I got yeah. out of the theater. So yeah. um, I actually I loved this movie, actually. I enjoyed this, uh, actually, more than uh, Get Out. Um, for me, Get Out was like a 4.5, I think I said. And this is uh, easily a five-star movie. And I think part of it was my anticipation going into it. Uh, I had actually anticipated me liking this less than Get Up. Um, like, so I expected it to be decent, but I also expected him to kind of like fumble the football on a sophomore effort kind of thing.
0: Okay. Um, so like I, yeah, Yeah, which I would say I was kind of, I, I feel like that's one of those things that like, just, I was like, okay, you won your Oscar for get out. Like you can't top that in the next one. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's how I felt. Yeah. So I
1: was like, okay, yeah, it's definitely going to be good. It'll probably be like, you know something very far superior far less than get out though so i was expecting like a seven seven out of ten three and a half star movie for me okay um i what i wasn't expecting was uh the way that themes were handled in this movie and the way that uh the story while there are a lot of logical errors uh don't it's not meant to be taken at face value and i think that's what i loved about this movie so much is because it kind of it it, it attacks you with this idea that this is all that is below the surface, but you can't understand what's below the surface, really. So we're going to make everything murky, and you're not going to really understand how all of this came to life. Um, I don't right, want to go right. into spoilers too much right away. I, I'm sure we can at, have a spoiler section, actually. To, yeah. At
0: some point, we will, like, say spoilers. Alert, and then we'll and have you that. skip to a time code or something <laughs> like that.
1: But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I – it, it kind of blew my mind, and it was uh, it was way better than I expected it to be. And then when you went to go see it, you actually said you didn't like it as much as I did. Right. So, yeah. And so what was your reaction to it originally? Uh,
0: I feel like Us was kind of the movie that I was expecting it to be. Okay. Um, it To me, it is a, like, that whole attitude of, like, man, your first movie was... You know an Oscar winner, yeah, right? or you know you won an Oscar for that like effort, yeah, uh, where are you gonna go from there, and I was like, yeah, here, like, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it was just like what I was expecting, um i I found it to be a little bit predictable, mm-hmm. um, whereas I felt like get out especially, and I'm gonna spoil get out in this right right now, so you know, <laughs> skip ahead like a minute, um. Get out the power of that film for me was in that last couple minutes when, uh, I mean, like everything else is great, mm-hmm. but especially at a time when police brutality against young black men was in the headlines all the time and still is. And then that juxtaposition, and that when of- and when he has his white girlfriend down on the ground in the street and is wailing on her, basically, like they are. At each other's throats because she's trying to kill him. He is most definitely, in this movie, the defender. Yeah. He is not the aggressor. And a cop car pulls up and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> and that feeling, like, I will never forget yeah. how that felt. My heart dropped and then when his buddy gets out of that car and you're like, oh, thank goodness, it's someone who's going to care about him. <laughs> yeah. No, and you it realize is. that your assumption was that the cops will not care about him yeah. today. Yeah. And like that power, like just wasn't there in us. Okay. For me. For
1: you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. totally fair. Right. Um, yeah. So I would completely agree that uh, the, the last few minutes of us are what give it its final punch. Um. Actually, the the or I'm sorry. The last few minutes of Get Get Out are yeah. what give it its final punch. Like I think that's one of the most satisfying endings in horror movie. Uh, like in recent horror movies, honestly.
0: Yeah. Like aside fantastic. from
1: Hereditary, it's like oh yeah, that's the best horror ending movie that we've had in a while or horror movie ending. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess I. Uh, I can totally understand where you're coming at it from, uh, like, especially with me having hyped it up as much as I did, I feel like before you went in, um, I'm sure you were kind of expecting something, uh, like, completely outstanding.
0: Um, Yeah, I don't know, like, because I also don't... Well, I know I like horror movies a lot more yes. than you, so... I, when, whenever you say a horror movie is fantastic, I do take it with a little bit yeah. of a grain of salt, because... Yeah. You know, we talk about this as we write reviews. Mm -hmm. Like you got to think about who the reviewer is. Oh yeah, I know. I know that there are movies out there that you're gonna like more than me, and so I take that into account. And I I felt like with us going in, um, I had not even seen the movie poster. Okay. For this, like, I knew I was gonna see this movie as soon as they announced that Jordan Peele was making another movie. Okay. And so I didn't need. I didn't like. I don't want to say need because that implies that you need to do something yeah. that you're willingly engaging in, but um, I, I just don't have an interest in a lot of that, like hyping myself up for it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I just went into it and I was like, all right, let's see it. Let's see what you got. And yeah. I was definitely looking forward to it a lot.
1: Yeah. So, do we want to kind of break down, uh, like, the actual movie here a little bit then and kind of go into why uh, certain things work for you? Yeah, and why they yeah, didn't...
0: yeah. So, I mean, I guess. Because I... I, I think the big thing, because I want to put out there right away, um, I think that a lot of people's issues with this movie um, are really stupid. <laughs> I honestly right? do too actually like when, like a lot of the, when people talk about like well where did they get the scissors <laughs> I'm just like you are the same people that think signs is stupid because there's water in the end of it. And I have no patience for people who are watching films at that level, like actually having a like serious discussion with me. It's like, if that's, <laughs> that's your reason for not liking it,
1: she should have been able to move the table. Like, okay. Yeah. I, yes. She should have been
0: able to move right, the table. Right, right, I but don't you know care. What? I've also seen some really heavy tables guys. It's <laughs> yeah, okay. There, like, are, there might be a million reasons. Maybe she didn't want to do that. Cause it was going to make too much, noise. Maybe, mm-hmm. like, Come on, get over it. Pull your brain out of this ultra analytic mode. This and look is, at the big picture. I feel like yes, like that's really this, what you need to watching do. Watching films is, I mean, yes, there is a place for that analysis, mm-hmm. but that analysis is not about continuity for me. No, it's, it's about theme and symbolism yes. and what the director <laughs> is trying to say. <laughs> it's it's a, not. Oh, the scissors was in the left
1: hand, and now it's in the right. Like, yeah. okay, yeah, that might be you know a it's mistake,
0: a, but hey. It get, it get to me, get in every like, movie, yeah. it'd be like saying that you didn't like a book because you found some typos in it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, get over it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. So cool. I because I want to make sure that you know I am on your side in that. Because... <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really good.
1: So, um, I guess really one of my favorite things about this story is the way that it starts out, um, and with uh, so our our main character whose name I can't remember. Um, but Lapita Nuanga's character, uh, it starts out uh, when she's a little girl and she's walking along uh, a boardwalk at, is it uh, Santa Cruz or something like that? Uh, it's in California. Yeah, it,
0: it feels very Coney Island, yeah. but like West Coast. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's exactly how I would describe it. Um, she ends up wandering away from her parents. She's carrying like a little uh, candied apple at the same time. She mm-hmm. doesn't eat it, by the way. Um, she doesn't eat anything in this movie besides strawberries, I found out, which is weird um and she drinks only water. My brother was sending me a ton of stuff about this movie afterwards. So there's like I was looking for a bunch of little details to mean something to. Anyways, so she's carry uh she carries this like apple down and she ends up wandering into uh a hall of mirrors. And she ends up seeing uh herself pretty much. And then we flash forward uh like 20 years later, but not um, in
0: a not a reflection of herself. No, it's like, actually Like herself. this is a traumatic event. Yes. She she runs into a person who looks exactly like her, uh, and they are the only two people in this hall of yeah,
1: mirrors. like literally to the point where uh, like the main character uh, was wearing a thriller shirt, and the other girl is wearing that same thriller yeah. shirt, but they have different reactions uh, at the same time, kind of. Yeah. So it is it is a pretty terrifying sequence on it, or I don't know if I would call it terrifying, but it's a no, pretty no, shocking. It's
0: great. Like, and that's the thing that I, what I do like about this movie is how well like the some of these scenes work mm-hmm. like, like cuz there's a couple of them that are pretty pivotal to the film. Yes, yeah. Uh that have to be simultaneously uh very detailed and paid attention to mm-hmm. and also scary. Yeah. But
1: okay, yeah. And okay, so <laughs> shoot i forgot my sorry sorry. (laughs) no you're totally good um so yeah they oh okay so she goes in she actually can't talk when she gets out of the uh the mirror thing too they go over that that's a little small detail um also that whole tone that they set there is kind of very much like uh, a fairy tale like uh, her kind of approaching that Coney Island thing, holding the candied apple, very much like Snow White. Um, when she walks through the Hall of Mirrors, it feels very much like uh, she's walking through this mystical forest. And then when she finally runs into that girl, it feels like she's meeting the big bad wolf. So for me, this was kind oh. of establishing... See, uh, I
0: never picked up on that.
1: Yeah. So like for me, this is definitely establishing the fairy uh, fairy tale storybook themes uh, that are extremely pervasive throughout the entire movie, in my opinion. But, I mean, I'm also a huge fantasy guy, so, like, I yeah. I always look for stuff like that. Like, anything like that is a huge hook for me. So that was what, like, those first couple of scenes, I was like, oh, I'm hooked. All right, you got yeah. me right here. To me,
0: I, like, I can definitely see what you're saying because, it, like, thinking back on it, it does have a little bit of like a Hansel and Gretel feel yep, there, exactly. Um, Even the way she walks through the mirrors and stuff like that at first,
1: it kind of gives you a sense of this is the path that she's coming from, and this is where she has to go. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of looking forward and going back in this movie too.
2: Um,
1: mm-hmm. I feel like, and that's another big part uh, that kind of played into it. Yeah. So yeah, because um,
0: I think um, for me, what my focus at those that moment was, and th- and. I don't know if this is how much of it is just my projection onto it and how much of it is actually like I mean with Get Out I feel like Jordan Peele and especially like like you said saying I've got these these ideas for like social commentary horror mm-hmm. movies and stuff like anytime social commentary is happening on the screen the rest of the movie kind of fades into the background for, for, for you it did? For me. And I think probably uh, – I think that that actually is kind of what a lot of people are trying to say but they don't know how to say. Yeah. Is that, like, I'm not noticing that this girl is Red Riding Hood because it seems like this moment is more about parenting, because of the attitude of her dad and yeah. the attitude of her mom and like Well going back all to that, that Hansel
1: and Gretel stuff, thing then right? too, like if you think about it, like Hansel and Gretel, they had to send their kids out into the woods because they could right. no longer afford to feed them kind of thing too. Yeah. So like yeah, I could totally see where like even that would be a parenting thing where it's kind of like, okay, we messed up here. But the story overall is definitely more about Lapita Nuanga's character, I would say. More right, than right. like, yeah.
0: And and like uh like later when you get to um because that what happens is like they end up going Lupita and Nyong'o. Like I mean, the girl grows up, gets yeah. Married, so it's twenty years kids. later. Yep, they go back to the same place, even though she doesn't want to because her husband is like kind of a domineering like, not in a bad not, way. He's, he's he's a goofy guy. He's, he's just... a friend, He's a friendly domineering person. Yeah, like he. He does the things that dad's do. Yeah, he's like, like "Oh, I'm
1: going to buy a boat." And everybody's yeah. like, "Don't do it." And, and then he does, he does it, it anyways. anyways. Yep. Yeah.
0: Like it's it, it isn't anything particularly cruel? No. Um, but it is it is most definitely still putting her in positions that she doesn't want to be in. She yes. doesn't want to go back there. And Well,
1: specifically the beach, she has no problem yeah. with coming back to the cabin that they're at. And
0: she doesn't really remember why exactly. Like she remembers some of it, but she also like when she talks about how like, there's just this feeling that she's getting when she gets mm-hmm. there. Well, she does it, talk it, it to her husband about that. It keeps getting worse and worse. And she can't, like, put her finger on what that feeling is until she starts opening up later that she feels like that little girl is going to somehow get her. Yeah. If she goes there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah.
1: And I guess – this is this is one thing that I actually really liked about this movie, too, is it kind of instills a sense of disquiet without there really needing a or without there really uh, being a reason for it to be there. Like right away uh, when we go back to the beach. There's that uh, part where like they're just playing frisbee and like you see a guy just kind of standing there with like bloody fingertips and he's just kind of standing and he's got his hands outstretched, uh, kind of like he's going to grasp hands with somebody else, uh, which is very indicative of something later going on. Um, But yeah, the way that he's standing there, it just kind of gives you this feeling of something isn't quite right. And that's uh, it's it's kind of the same feeling that I get from uh, The Shining when like uh, Dick Holleran is showing them around and uh, he kind of talks to Danny uh, like psychically where you're like, okay, like this is a little bit off, but nothing is like terrifying me yet. It's getting to the point where I'm like easing into the horror. And so I kind of loved that as they ramped it up. And then like almost immediately they have their this doppelganger family just show up at their house. Like, probably yeah. 20 minutes into the movie, the Doppelganger family is already there.
0: Yeah, and, um, like, definitely one of the things, I, man, sorry, I'm just no, i like, no, 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 got good. so many thoughts in my head, because it's like, <laughs> which one do I talk about first? No, no, no. Yeah, like... Uh, and then let's say let's say spoiler starting now. Because, yeah, that's fine. Because that's really the setup for the movie is this doppelganger family yeah. shows up.
1: So, yeah, eventually they get into the house and they kind of confront them. They sit them all down and, and they do and this little
0: info down They're thing. all like mirror images, but not exactly. They're, yeah, they're, they're slightly they're off. Um, like their son who is, uh, you know, he's always playing with this lighter that he like, like a can't make work thing. or yeah. something. It's like a magic trick that throws sparks. And um, I don't know. He's just kind of a weird kid. Mm -hmm. And like in the Doppelganger family, that kid is like wearing a mask. Yeah. And and, and this and the son, he wears masks all the time, too. Yeah. Um, But this other kid like walks around on the ground crawling like a spider yeah and um, he's
1: honestly one of the most terrifying parts yeah. of the film
0: he is a, like his he acts like a dog yeah it's like, fantastic. i think at one time like his, they call him pluto
1: actually yeah, his, so his
0: mother actually like pets his head like yeah. a dog mm-hmm. and um but each one of them is like this weird twisted like fun house mirror version mm-hmm. of the other. Yep. Exactly. Um, and basically <sighs> she, she, she gives, tells this story.
1: Yeah. She, well, she starts it with once upon a time, which again, they continue the storybook themes, which I, which I loved immediately. And I have no problem with, okay. And I know you, you had a problem with the info dump here. Yeah. And for me, I can totally understand that. But at the same time, I also felt felt that it was necessary uh, to move the story forward. Um, I, right. I and I do have a problem with info dumps usually, but the way she was telling it, it, it kind of worked for me because it kind of felt like it was like, all right, we're back to where we started. Like, you know, that I saw you all those years ago. I know that you saw me, but these other people don't know who we are. So we're going to lay the ground rules right here. And like, she kind of explains it, but she doesn't really explain it. And you kind of get an idea of, like, like what's there's another
0: there's another kind of info dump towards the end of the movie where, where she it kind of, gives like, a little fills bit more in information. some of the yeah. holes. Yeah. The, I think the reason the info dumps don't work for me, mm-hmm. um, and this we will definitely be getting into spoilers. Yeah. Um, even more so than before. Yeah. Uh, is because I found the movie so predictable. Okay. And... Uh, Because of that, when they start doing an info dump of things that uh, I would have preferred them to be showing me, Mm -hmm. instead of showing me the other things that were tipping me off to the plot. Like, at the beginning, like, one of the first shots – first off, the the opening of the movie. Hands Across America. No, no. Even before that, the – White text on black, the titles that say, Hey, there's all these tunnels that are underneath the. the Yeah, and it's like, Oh,
1: yeah, keep that back in your mind, kind of. Okay,
0: and it basically talks about how, like, pretty much wherever you are, there's probably something underground. underground. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, And then they open the movie. After that, the next shot is a TV, like an old tube TV Mm -hmm. that has a commercial for Hands Across America going. Mm -hmm. And one of the videos on like that is next to it is Chud. Okay. And I didn't I Cannibali- didn't believe Chud. I, I believe so. it's cannibalistic human underground dwellers. Oh, okay. And I'm just like, well so there's a bunch of people underground.
1: Okay, but like you're the only person in the world that knows uh what Chud is. So I'm not, like I'm yeah. Not, I, I'm yeah. sure you're not, but like I would have had no idea what that is. Right. And so um, to me- So I feel like that's a pretty like that's a nice reference, honestly. So yeah. like And to me,
0: I was just but to me, that was like, All right, well I know where these four people come from. Yeah. So when she started talking about like this shadow version and all of this other yeah. stuff, I'm like, okay, so the shadow version's down underneath mm-hmm. and then they're organizing and they're coming up and like and then also like the guy kind of standing like that and it's like yeah. well they showed me the commercial for Hands Across America earlier and they did it in a way that like dominated my vision like it yeah. wasn't it wasn't a thing where somebody was watching it and it was playing in the background mm-hmm. like this is the only thing that was on the screen when they were showing the Hands Across America commercial yeah and so like I knew pretty quickly that that's one of one element of what these guys were doing,
1: oh yeah, but I mean he does it to set that up. like I feel like that right. was totally intentional um like I like yeah, absolutely you know that hands across America and you know that underground people are gonna be involved um almost from the opening shots, and I think that was completely intentional um the the same thing that you were saying about uh the scissors, where did they get the scissors? I feel yeah. like that's the same thing about why do we care where they came from? It's not important where they came from. There's even a part later on in uh, the in the movie where oh. the, the lady is like, the, you hear a newscaster and she's talking. She's like, "Yeah, we're not sure where they're coming from. Some people say from the sewers. Some people say from underground. That's not important. Where they come from is not important oh, at see, all." See,
0: and I think thematically and symbolically, it's really important. Yeah, but
1: and this okay. This is where this <laughs> is where I feel like it's okay. Yeah, I do think it is important. In terms that they come below us, I do not think it's important uh, to explain the
0: tunnels. I don't think no, it's ex- I don't think I
1: don't think it's important at all.
0: Right, and I and I'm just like things like that are, man. Instead of giving me like that title sequence or like that commercial in that way, you could have been doing scenes that hint at the the reality of the shadow people and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You could have been doing scenes that do that in a non-info dump way.
1: Yeah, I guess, th- th- for me, that there were two info dump scenes that I know yeah. we're both talking about, and for me, like I said, that first one kind of sets it up, and then it's kind of like, it, that's kind of like the wick, because right after that, we light it off, and then there's like a half an hour of explosions, right, um, right. and then after that, there's another info dump, and then it's like, alright, here's your finale, this is what this all means. So for me, it is, let's set up the pins, let's knock them down, and then we all go home. So like for me, right. the info dumps totally work, because it sets up the stuff, and then it pays off with the, with the last info dump, which the last info dump, uh, kind of talks about how all these people have been tethered underground. Right. Uh, and like they're kind of coordinated with the people above ground and they're trying yeah. to sever that, uh, that tethering thing.
0: Yeah. So, and I think like one of the things that we're kind of debating here is like where, cause all movies do this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like pointing the f- finger at this movie saying like, Oh, how dare you? Yeah, yeah. Like that all movies have to part of the art of film is like stringing your audience along mm-hmm. and like revealing information in the way that you want to reveal information in order to provoke an emotional response. Yes. Um And like that is the art of film. Mm-hmm. And, Different directors have different ideas about what that pace is, Mm -hmm. about, like, what that result would be, and each individual viewer kind of has a sweet spot of, oh, that was a – like, he told me that thing or revealed it to me at just the right moment. Like, Mm -hmm. my brain was just starting to catch on, and then he filled in the blanks for me, and each person has – like depending on the film and the, how they experience it has that sweet spot somewhere else. Yeah. Exactly. And I think like for you, like this just really nailed that sweet spot. It did. And for me, it just kind of missed it.
1: Yeah. And okay. Now,
0: and uh, that's why I would never say that like, Oh no, Seth, you're an idiot for giving this five stars. <laughs> Cause like that is a completely subjective thing.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. At the same time, uh, <laughs> the murkiness of the more, like the murkiness of the metaphor Mm-hmm. uh, was another thing that really sold me on this film because I, uh, I do feel like this is, uh, kind of, uh, uh, it's a play on, uh, like the MAGA people coming up and kind of just rising mm-hmm. and like, we're all going to join together and, we're all going to well, fight for something that we all believe in, and it might be horrible in some uh, but, aspects, but yeah. But it also could be uh, looked at as like a social class thing, where like there's higher uh, class and lower class, right. and other and people I, are trying I, to struggle I that way. I completely
0: agree with you. I think that's one of the like great things about this movie, mm-hmm. is by making the bad guys mirror images – Of the individual person, Mm -hmm. that means that like when she's fighting this other person, there's no question of race. Mm -hmm. It's not this person's good, this person's bad because this person's black and this person's white. Yeah, or whatever other race you want to fill in. Yeah, exactly. This is this is purely the the difference between these two people. Yeah, is that one of them grew up underground, one of them (laughs) surrounded by chaos. Yeah, and this person grew up upstairs. Where they were loved and cared for mm-hmm. and provided for and didn't have this. And and like that metaphor is really great. Yeah. Well, and I
1: talked to you. Okay. So I talked to you earlier today uh, about uh, this, this interview with Neil Gaiman and uh, Art Spiegelman. Uh, right, right. And okay, yeah, I brought this up specifically actually so that I could bring it up here. um But okay, so and you actually watched this interview too? Yeah, I, think. I
0: listened to it earlier while I was working on like a poster that yeah. I want to do, and uh, I'm actually gonna try and drop in a clip here, okay, so that uh, people can hear the part that you're about to talk. Okay, about.
1: so yeah, uh, so this interview for people who don't know who uh, Neil Gaiman and Art Spiegelman are, uh, Neil Gaiman is an author. He's written books like uh, Stardust or Coraline, uh, American Gods, stuff like that. He's a great author. You should read him. Uh, Art Spiegelman is a Comic book art. Well, he's a comic book writer. Uh, he did Mouse, uh, and I think that might have won the Pulitzer uh, back in the day. I'm pretty
0: sure that it. Yeah, I, if it didn't win that, it's like it is a big, super highly acclaimed, yeah, uh, graphic novel. Uh, and of course, also Neil Gaiman did The Sandman Chronicles. Yes, exactly. Which is, I think, probably the impetus of putting these two on stage together. Yeah. is that they're <laughs> yeah, bo- probably they, they both are celebrated for their graphic novels. Yeah,
2: exactly. Tell me how the Nazis called us rodents, and they said we were subhuman, and she completely failed to see Mm -hmm. that the two things lined up. Well, Absolutely. I mean, I've certainly gotten a lot of heat from Poles about drawing them as pigs. (laughs) The Jews are so long-suffering and so used to being put down that I've hardly ever heard that particular response, you know? Um, but also, because of the way the book is structured, these are self-destructing metaphors. They're metaphors that are meant to fall apart, you know? Yep. Like, there's a place where, in one little scene, there's a, a Jewish guy who's with a, uh, a Polish... No, with a uh, German woman, and they have a kid, and the kid is like a, mice, a mouse with uh, cat stripes on it, you know? It's not meant to be taken as literal, that they're different species. Uh, or when my father's wandering around Poland, he's wearing a Woolworth pig mask that has strings hanging off the back. Some of the Poles behave really well, some behave badly, some of the Jews behave well, some behave badly. So that a number of places in the book, that particular metaphor, it just is asked, you're asked to let it dissolve. Uh, and it just allows, actually, something really important, which is the little orphan Annie's eyeball effect to take place which I always found Little Orphan Annie a lot more emotionally evocative than, say, Little Abner with a much more exaggerated drawing style because you were asked to project the uh, expression and ultimately the face through these blank pieces of paper that were inside those oval eyeballs, you know? (laughs) And so it allows somebody to become much more uh, specific by you doing the work of finding that specific person. And I figured if I was off on a search for verisimilitude, I'd collapse... In five seconds, I don't know what these Polish people looked like. I don't know what Vladek's friend looked like. Uh, There's no photo reference to go to. Um, And by just having a mouse mask, it was just you project the face. I will just give you the body gesture as if it was some kind of Japanese no theater or something, you know? So, uh, yeah, anyways, Art Spiegelman
1: talks about mouse. And there's a scene in Mouse where uh, there's a cat that uh, ends up, well, raping uh, a mouse. Um, and the mice are supposed to represent Jewish people and the cats are supposed to represent the Germans. Uh, that part happens off screen or off page, whatever you want to say. Um, but anyways, they show the, uh, the fallout of that and that's a uh, cat-mouse hybrid baby. And Art kind of talks about how Uh, unraveling metaphors can be used to make the viewer or reader, uh, kind of prod deeper. Like if you look Mm -hmm. at that and you say, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Like if you think about it for an instant, a mouse and a cat can't have a baby. But it makes that metaphor stand out all the more because you look at it and you're like, oh, this is really weird.
0: Because of how unnatural yes, it is. Yes,
1: exactly. So with the same way that this movie worked where, like, they they kind of explain mm-hmm. the underground people. They kind of explain the tethered part. But leaving the rest of it a mystery, leaving the rest of it murky and, like, unsatisfying right. really helps this and movie And I would out agree.
0: Like, that's one of the reasons that I don't care for those debates about, like, where did they get the scissors? Yeah, or, like, you said it doesn't about matter. The, or you said about the <laughs> (laughs) table because the whole point because it's more about like what does the table represent what does this struggle like she's sitting here trying to her son is about to be attacked in Mm -hmm. another room and she's handcuffed to a table and personally what i think is really going on there people are like well what about the table and why can't she move it and all that kind of stuff they're missing the question of why doesn't she go save him? There's something really unnatural going on here. And, and it's being highlighted by the ridiculousness of this table. Yeah, And what is unnatural about that scene that's being mirrored is the way that she responds to fear throughout the film. Yeah. Is that fear is a paralyzing force in her life Mm -hmm. and something that she is just now being confronted with and learning that she must struggle against. Mm -hmm. So the very things that normally would keep her from having to be exposed to this other woman that is she has felt like is haunting her and stuff like that. Like that would be something she would have normally wanted. Yeah. But because her son is in danger, it is something that she is trying hard to fight mm-hmm. and it's kind of represented by that table. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that everybody everybody who's going, Oh, but what about the table? Why doesn't it move? <laughs> Do you think it was bolted to the ground? Maybe it was too heavy. <laughs> Do you not think this, important to the person? That star? is yeah. that is not the point yeah. of this part of the film. Yeah, exactly.
1: So yeah, I don't know. I guess like for me even like even the parts at the end uh where they all kind of come together and you kind of realize that it is not just uh like the one family, it's like the entire America that has come together and everybody has uh doppelgangers and everybody has this evil right. side. And I feel noted, like that's the
0: the one other thing that I think that is really important about that imagery yeah like what we were talking about the murkiness of that metaphor yeah we are saying like it could be the manga people it could be like uh it could be it could be native americans it could be like there are so many people who have been put down and oppressed yeah and when you get to that like hands across america thing it is like white people black people like it's it's every race it's every yeah everything right down that line
1: but it's we've all come together to unify to coalesce in this one like for this one uh cause and i that's what i kind of love about the movie is it is it is a pitting of two arguments like it's it's two sides that's really what it is and it doesn't matter what two sides you're looking at like there is a good and an evil side to it because like good and evil create themselves. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to call the... out Lao Tzu,
0: so whatever. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> yeah, the uh other spoilery things that come. And this is why like for me this movie is not like this is still a 4-star movie for me
1: oh yeah I th- like even when we talked about this beforehand i knew that you didn't hate it like yeah. i knew that this was I,
0: I was nervous that talking about this film i would come off that way because i feel like i often do like well partially because i enjoy it i enjoy playing devil's advocate i enjoy oh we people, know like you know <laughs> yeah. but um especially for a film that is as good as this i wanted to be sure people realized that that is that i do really respect this film the And the direction actually, is outstanding actually. i think it's Every once in a while, we'll do a review and I'll say something along the lines of, I think this is an important film for our time. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those. <laughs> yes. Because, um, I mean, I am personally of the view, and I'll, I will briefly be slightly political. I am personally of the view that most of the, that many, many of the issues that we have right now, are the product of the haves pitting the have-nots against each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And
0: this is a movie about the have-nots coming together and showing the haves the power that they have. (laughs) Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And I have often thought that if people could realize um, how much the rich and the powerful in this world benefit From our race baiting, our wars, our – all of those things that we fight about uh, that we are really undoing ourselves when we do that. Mm -hmm. And this is a movie that shows what – that is really about what could happen if, like, evil people all put their effort together. What could we do – with better intentions than these people had. (laughs) I don't know. It's, it's really an an amazing, uh, like some of those moments are really great. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think it balances humor and horror very well, which is something we didn't
1: talk about at all. Um, but Winston Duke is fantastic. Um, he is, he is able to like balance humor and horror perfectly. Like there are so many moments where I was dying laughing And then the next moment I was, like, dead silent because I was like, don't do anything. I don't want you to die here. Yeah. But, like, the way that they balance that is pretty awesome. Like, that speaks to the writing right there that it's able to flip back and forth between those two, uh, like, emotions pretty easily.
0: Right. And um, I would say that, like, you know, kind of my last – and this is, again, a very subjective thing and – probably why, like, there's a whole swath of horror movies out there I don't care for. Yeah. Um, I don't
1: care for some horror movies? Yeah. the
0: (laughs) the, The movie is a little frenetic for me. Okay. Um, it's I, like, I like my horror movies to be about dread, not about action.
1: Yeah. And there is definitely there some is action in this movie.
0: Of action. In yeah. This
1: movie. It feels a little bit like, it's kind of like the strangers is if you've ever seen that yeah, movie yeah, I have. where it's like, there's some tension and then it's just like, let's go. Let's run away. Out. The, <laughs> yeah. We're going to run
0: away for the next hour and a half. And, and I'm like, uh, yeah, that's not my, that's not my jam. Yeah. And like, for me, <laughs> typically
1: I will be the first to admit that usually I am the slow burn horror movie. Like, yeah those are the kind of movies that i love like hereditary was up there last year but like the shining's been my favorite horror movie for forever suspiria was great yeah so i mean like stuff like that is what usually gets like gets my horror ball rolling but for this it just it kind of worked for me but yeah i can totally understand where it doesn't 100 percent line up with some people though
0: well we could obviously probably talk about this a lot more and we probably will after we get get off the mics but uh we will We wanted to kind of like talk about how anticipation played into our enjoyment of films. And Mm -hmm. like for me, Us, um, Us is kind of emblematic to me of one of the ways that I like to approach. I don't know, because anticipation is kind of a double edged sword, right? It absolutely is. Like, I'm sure you've got you've got movies that like the anticipation of them either kind of set you up to love that film or hate that film. Oh,
1: absolutely. Like, yeah, both ways actually. Like I'm sure I could come up with a dozen examples for both, but like uh after watching the first two Matrix films, I was darn sure that the third one was gonna at least be enjoyable. Oh, man. Yeah. And man was I wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, after seeing the second Matrix film, I I was a little I was a little trepidatious. I was like I've got issues with this movie, but The action is if still the awesome. third <laughs> if the third movie answers some questions i've got i love this movie <laughs> yeah and then the third movie did not answer those questions no well yeah i don't know
1: i mean that's just one example but yeah. i mean like what about for you
0: in your for, own life for me uh i would say uh there are like some examples of movies that i loved mostly because of the anticipation uh man, phantom menace Okay, I was so pumped for that movie, yeah, like that, that came out when I was a sophomore in high school, yeah, or maybe a junior. I can't remember. Um, and I mean that summer, like I saw that movie eleven times. Yeah, that doesn't surprise. I think I saw it a couple times in theaters like, when I there was, was like eight, there was so. no like like when people talk about I like I was 11, going, I yeah going to school, <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of people that are maybe just a little bit older than me. That when they saw that movie, they were just like, that's a terrible movie. And and <laughs> you kind of hear anecdotally the stories from people about, like, you know, turning to their friend and being like, I don't think this is very good. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I was in those theaters. I didn't see anybody saying that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you may well be one of those people, and I'm not going to say that you're not, but I think those people are the minority. Yeah. I think when Phantom Menace came out, the vast majority of people loved that movie well yeah look at like uh, just the
1: hype behind every single Marvel movie that comes out nowadays I can almost guarantee that 90% of the Marvel movies that come out will have a generally positive review and they will all be like box office hits right Um, and that's all 100% due to anticipation at this point like I mean 20 years ago if they would have come out with a Captain Marvel movie nobody would have gone to go see it nobody
0: would have gone to see that (laughs) like
1: yeah so it's it's crazy to me that like you know now that's one of you know it just passed a billion dollars like that is the power of anticipation right there i feel like
0: uh you know kind of the converse of that would be uh force awakens yeah because i because that was a movie where the marketing for it recapture it relit the fire i had for star wars Mm -hmm. because um by that point Um, I had grown up and realized that the Star Wars the new the prequels were bad films Mm -hmm. and like I saw the first one I think the first prequel like 11 times and then I saw the next one I think three or four in theaters and then the third one I saw once in the theater and I didn't even buy I, I think maybe I've seen it again since then. Like, yeah, I think I've only seen the third one once. No, I th-
1: yeah. I think I've seen it twice now. So, and yeah, that's so, pretty yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah. Like like
0: Star Wars really like died for me uh with the prequels. Yeah. And the marketing for Force Awakens showing me that they're doing practical effects. They've got the cast back. Mm-hmm. They've got JJ Abrams in there like setting up this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um every Single note they were hitting like re sparked that fire, yeah. And I went into that movie with an excitement, um, that was totally paid off for me, yeah. Um, and I don't know if I would have gone into it the same way. If it had just been, you know, a few years earlier, maybe the marketing was a little po- more poorly done. It didn't highlight the things that it needed to highlight in order to make me realize it was going to be a break from the the prequels, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there are definitely times where that, that pays off. Yeah. I mean, for me, like personally, uh,
1: just this last year, I was super excited and, uh, nervous for Battleita or alita battle angel right, right. um and I, I remember hyping this up to you guys like a year before it came out i was like guys if they get this right it could be one of the best and science I fiction movies and ever
0: I'm literally the person that like looked at a screenshot of the main character i'm just like nope yeah and <laughs> like probably is inferior yeah well you. it
1: is absolutely because like for me i mean alita is like my comic book hero kind yeah. of thing so like The anticipation that I had going into that film and then seeing the mediocre reviews and then, like, going into that theater, buying the ticket and being uh, resolute that this was going to be, like, a waste of $10. And then my expectations being Being blown out of the water. That was one of the best, like, movie experiences I've had in years. Like, I went to go see it twice in a weekend and I haven't done that in for any movie in a long time now. Hmm. Like, uh, I don't remember the last time I've seen any movie in theaters twice other than uh, Alita, probably in the last three years, ever since yeah. I stopped working at Celebration. So yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's it's crazy how much I enjoyed that.
0: Movie. Yeah, like another example of that for me is uh, Hudsucker Proxy. Oh yeah, uh, because Hudsucker Proxy, uh, like I didn't, there was nowhere to like watch it online really very well. Um, there there was no Blu-ray release for it. Uh, it didn't have super great reviews like mm-hmm. even though it was a coen brothers film and uh so i was kind of expecting it to be a well a humdrum Cohen brothers yeah, movie. yeah. A, the completionist in me is glad i'm gonna watch this um but i bet it it's not gonna like make my top 10 or anything yeah and that movie was off the wall good yeah And I I really think my low expectations partially play into how much I enjoyed the film.
1: Yeah. So I guess like anticipation can go either way. I feel like for me, well, for me personally, like I feel like no matter what, no matter what I watch, it will always play a part. Like, unless I'm just scrolling through Netflix and I'm like, oh, I haven't seen this movie in a while. I guess I'll watch that. Um, Unless (laughs) I'm doing that, there is always some kind of anticipation that goes into a movie. Even if I'm reading about it online and like a director recommends it, I'm like, ooh. Well, so, I got something for it to look forward to now. So but. what
0: what what's – give me your best – like, what is the movie that you feel like you most anticipated and how did you feel about it once you saw it? Um, You know, actually probably the first Lord of the Rings movie. Um, That's mine too.
1: Just because uh, my parents wouldn't let me go see it uh, in theaters uh. and they made me read the book first. Um, which thank you, mom and dad. That was actually very nice. Um, but they made me read the book first. And so when I finally got to see that movie, I was like, yeah, this is amazing.
0: Um, so yeah, that was awesome for me. Well, and yeah, kind of the same thing. Actually, I'll, I'll tell two because (laughs) fellowship of the ring was one of mine. That's on here. Yeah. Um, but then you told a story that reminded me of another one, but just because fellowship of the ring, uh, I mean, that came out when I was my first year of college, Mm -hmm. uh, like these are books and stories that I'd known since I was a kid. So yeah. and I feel like my brother who is the real Lord of the Rings fan between the two of us um he would tell me all that he would anytime he heard anything about like a Lord of the Rings movie coming out, he'd yeah. tell me. So this is a movie that I felt like had been being made since i was in elementary school
1: oh yeah because i mean it was in production for forever i feel like before yeah and there were tons of times where around. you'd hear
0: rumors of a lord of the rings movie and then it would go away <laughs> yeah you know but then um you tell you saying how you had to read the book before you had to see before you could see <laughs> yes whether. um jurassic park
1: oh yeah <laughs>
0: yeah uh, i i I don't think I ever did actually have to read it before seeing it, but I know that that was one of the things that my dad said to me. Uh, part My brother had some issues with um, nightmares when he was younger. Okay. And so that was the main reason he didn't feel like, um, you know, we could watch it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I remember him also saying, like, he went to see the movie thinking, like, how could this possibly be anything but rated R? How is this a yeah. PG-13 movie? Because he'd read the book. Yeah. Um, and so and that... the book is a little bit more violent, actually, yeah, way more so, violent. Yeah. And I think that's probably like John
1: Hammond dies at the end and everything. Sorry, yeah. spoiler alerts if well, you haven't read it, the book and yet. And it like
0: describes how people feel while they're being eaten. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh,
1: yeah, and how they're dying too. Like yeah. it's it's pretty graphic. As yeah, a point. And...
0: it's really good though too. Actually, it is. And I, I I'm sure that's part of what drove his like rule of well, if he can read it, then he can watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I ended up getting to see it because I was sick for uh one Sunday and so I couldn't go to church. And uh my dad my dad stayed home with me and we watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's awesome. And that was oh man. I mean I still love that movie. It's yeah, a fantastic movie. It is um it's it's really wonderful that like that experience could also happen to me with such a fantastic film. Um, because I don't have to be ashamed of it later when I grow up <laughs> and be like, yeah, I really like this terrible movie. But it's no Popeye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> but yeah, that's probably one of them that really stands out to me. Yeah. Um, do you do anything to try and control your like anticipation of film? Honestly,
1: no. I used to. I I feel like I used to try and like curb my enthusiasm about what's going to happen. Um, at this point, I just kind of try to accept it. Like I feel like it's part of the movie going experience, especially if I'm going to go see something uh, in theaters. Like you just got to embrace that crazy crowd that uh, like that's going to be at Avengers. I feel like it just adds yeah. to the
0: experience. It does add to the experience if you let their energy feed you because. Of. They are movies that are meant to be watched that way. I feel like yeah.
1: that actually adds a lot to the experience uh, sometimes, too. Like uh, I know for me personally, like the Last Avengers movie. Uh, i I probably liked that movie a lot more in theaters than I did the second time that I viewed it uh, at home. Like for me, yeah. it's still like a, yeah, it's still like a three point five four star movie for me. But uh, in, in theaters, it was a solid four-star. Like, this is a this is a great movie for me. This is a well, lot yeah, of fun. yeah,
0: like, those movies are meant to be watched in a crowd full mm-hmm. of people cheering. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, if you take it home and you watch it by yourself or – On your 24-inch screen Or, TV. heaven forbid, on a phone, like, it just will not have the same impact. <laughs> yeah. That
1: is, that is a very uh, good point. Actually, <laughs> but- what am I uh, – I actually – this is a funny thing, actually, because you brought up the phone thing. Uh, and also because Pet Cemetery is coming out this weekend. The yeah, first time I watched uh, Pet Cemetery after finishing the book was on my buddy's like, uh, iPhone thing on a plane ride back from Europe. And I was like, this movie is terrible. And I, <laughs> and I rewatched it a couple years later and I was like, This movie is okay. It's not as (laughs) terrible as I thought it was. So I think a lot of times, like, uh, the way in which you watch a movie can also play uh, an important part of how how you view it the first time. Yeah,
0: I think uh, for me, I don't know. Granted, some of it is because I'm an old curmudgeon. As Uh, am I. I, I'm younger than you. I don't – I get annoyed by kids. <laughs> like so do i <laughs> like <laughs> freaking out about movies and like going oh my goodness did you see the new us poster okay i'm like nah i'm all
1: right i already... but at the same time we run a podcast for movies so like we're the same people but right, we, we're exactly. just enthusiastic a different way
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah and for me it's i look at marketing and a lot of that other stuff that Typically, hypes up a movie and is really designed to stoke the anticipation of its viewer. It's right, trying to sell you something. Right, exactly. So it, it wants you to get excited about the thing. Mm-hmm. Um. So one that makes me wary of it. Mm-hmm. Two. Um. I feel like what I I use it I use those things more as a way of trying to figure out what I want to watch, right. And once I know I want to watch something, I'm done watching the marketing for it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and so, like, that's kind of how I use it. It's like, uh, oh, cool. Like for me, like I said, for the reason I didn't see even the poster for us is because I was sold on it before the poster was made. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like
1: I know I'm going to go see Nolan's next movie, even though they haven't released any information about it. Like, yeah, yeah
0: I don't need to know anything about a Christopher Nolan movie to know I'm going to go see it. Yeah, or Wes Anderson or Tarantino or anything like that.
1: Yeah, after right. a while, you start to know which directors you're going to like and stuff. So,
0: yeah, like, uh, even that, um, Beach Bum, which we saw the other night. Saw uh, half, half of half the, of the half other, other night. Other yeah. Night. <laughs> uh, like just knowing that it's Harmony Corinne. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to see this movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to see the trailer. But other movies, um, Like that's kind of, I think where I, I'm glad that other people are into those other things because there's plenty of movies like, uh, say Captain Marvel, for example, where, uh, pretty much any Marvel movie I would say I'm a toss up for.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, kind of how I feel too. Like there are like I'll see them all, but
0: I don't care at this point. (laughs) Right, and like for instance, Thor Ragnarok. The trailer made that a must see movie for me. Yeah. Because I was like, okay, it's Taika Waititi. I like what we do in the shadows, I like his sense of humor. It looks like this is a decent, like, 80s vibe going, Mm -hmm. Um, and that kind of, like, clued me in that I would like the movie.
1: Or even, like, the Joker trailer that just came out today. Like, I was 100% sold that I was not going to see this movie because I don't care about Todd Phillips, and, like, as much as I love Joaquin Phoenix, I couldn't see him as the Joker. And then I saw the Joker trailer, and I was like, oh, that looks great. I'll go see that. Oh, okay. So.
0: (laughs) See, (laughs) and now I'm like... Huh, maybe I'll watch the Joker trailer. Yeah, because you absolutely I was, absolutely in, that, I was in that same camp where I'm like, that just does not seem like a good movie at all. Yeah, and
1: I watched the trailer I was like, oh, that looks like the best thing DC has put out since Nolan's movies. So,
0: okay. yeah, I was like, all right, cool. I guess I'm sold on this now. Yeah, but, I'll check out yeah. that trailer. But, yeah, like uh, I kind of treat movie trailers and all the marketing stuff uh, more like um, the Sears catalog. <laughs> you just
1: kind of look through it and pick out what stuff you want. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I look, no, it, that totally
0: makes sense. It is like it's it's nothing that I'm gonna get super jazzed about. Um oh, yeah, I think for, that's how everybody except looks for at in it. certain cases. Um, but I do feel like there there are people that lean really hard into that and like almost want their expectations to be high. Yeah. And uh, well, I'm think, just not one of those guys. No,
1: I'm not either. I, I feel like I... Well, and I think that's part of, uh, like, a journey of becoming a cinephile, too, is, like, knowing when to tame your
0: expectations for certain things. Like, I mean, me Knowing that ads are only presenting the best foot they can. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, there is there's no way I'm going to get excited about like as excited for the next Spider-Man movie as I am going to go uh, when I go into a new Bergman film or something that I haven't seen before.
0: Right. Right. Like
1: there's just, there are certain levels of expectations that I feel like I've set for myself at this point. And it's like going into a certain kind of movie, you just have these certain kind of expectations or Mm -hmm. anticipation of what it's going to end up being um, versus other movies. And like, I guess uh, watching so many movies now, I just kind of do that second nature without really realizing
0: it. I'm just like, yeah. ah, this movie is going to be middle. Well, it's, totally it's a, fine it's with a mental muscle that you have, you have practiced. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like it's like any other exercise or skill. Like it, you want to get it to the place where it is second nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another thing that you have on a lot of other, I don't know, one of the reasons that might temper your excitement about certain films as well is like you just have a, a broader perspective. Yes. Like i watch more movies than most people <laughs> and more movie and but it's not just more movies. It's the movies you have watched because there are people and you work at family video. So, you yes, know, that is very true. There I are chug. people that shop there that see way more films than I do. Oh, yeah. But they all came out in the last five years and they're all straight to DVD and they're all garbage. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. You have a perspective of like the history of film. Yeah. I curate uh, what I watch. so yeah. And, <laughs> and so, that
1: makes a big difference versus like there's there's a dumping ground and there's a collection. Yeah. If, if you know what's in there, if you know uh, like what you're collecting, what you're watching kind of thing, then it's actually something worth building. But if you're just throwing everything in there, then it doesn't really make any difference. Yeah. Uh, anyways.
0: And I mean we we come back to this time and time again. That intentionality is one of the most important factors. Yeah, in taking your movie watching from something that is just entertainment, which if that's what you want it to be, that's what you want it to be. Go for it. And
1: there's nothing wrong with that either, because I feel like there's lots of people who will find other things to do right. uh, besides like watch movies and stuff, and that's totally cool. Right. This is one of our hobbies. But if so, this if, is if, our like if yeah.
0: you if you are one of those people like uh, like our friend Jared, mm-hmm. um who literally has asked questions to to us yeah, and like, said like what are some dude, what, films are, things, I should what watch? are some things I should be doing <laughs> right. to like become a better like cinephile
1: and that's fantastic that's awesome like that's the kind of person that I like hanging out with because those are the kind of people that are going to push me to find new films eventually that I don't know about
0: so right yeah. right yeah cuz
1: everybody brings something different to the table I feel like and we've talked about that a lot too how like just having a group of cinephile friends can help expand your cinephile knowledge, having a
0: community of people that you're enjoying films with instead Mm -hmm. of just watching them all by yourself all the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think we've talked about how that that's what true myth media hopefully will become as like a bigger community where people can all get together to celebrate. Yeah. And like, we've talked about like wanting to someday
0: do like, you know, like a movie club where we get together to talk about movies and stuff like that, you know, like, because I mean that's from what true
1: myth media. yeah I
0: mean that's <laughs> what our that's what like epic movie day was is all about yeah is exactly. bad movie nights there we enjoy interacting with our friends based on these films mm-hmm. so. yeah well I think we've beat that horse till it's yeah, dead.
1: we, we kind of ran all over the place towards the end a little bit again that's but right. that's okay we that's we always
0: right. do that so yeah well so that. I wanted to put out there, though, another question for our audience. Uh, we're still looking for our first five people to leave messages on our new voicemail. Uh, if you do leave a message and you're one of those first five, you'll win a free movie. And uh, that the question this week is we really want to hear from you about, like, your anticipated films, like whether – um, you know, you're an older listener that remembers back in the day where you'd hear like one thing about a movie in the newspaper, and then it'd be like a year later before it came out. and Or if you're just a modern, you know, thoroughly information age person who, you know, is on Reddit and like clicking on every little mention of whatever next Quentin Tarantino movie is coming out. We want to hear about your stories of anticipated films, the ones that really uh, shine out for you, whether they were disappointments, whether they were successes. You can leave those messages on our voicemail line at one, two, three, one, two cinema. That's one, two, three, one, two cinema. That includes the country code and area code. Um, Just to clear up any confusion there. Um, And we will actually play your messages on the air on our uh, not on the air. We're not broadcast. (laughs) We'll play those messages on the show next week uh, as soon as we start getting them. (laughs) But this is all part of like what like what we were just talking about. You know, we want this to be a community of people. We don't we don't want to be the only two voices. I mean, we don't mind talking to each other. We've done it for like
1: fifty hours now. So. Yeah, but we would,
0: uh, it's always more fun to meet the Jareds and the yeah, uh, you know, the, the Carls Lucases and, Lucases. and the Carls yeah. who have the something Chads. to say about film and. Uh, jump into that conversation with us so as always you can check us out on social media comment and share true myth media stuff on facebook twitter instagram all of that of course for more reviews uh, you can head over to truemythmedia.com because we don't have nearly enough time on our podcast to talk about all the movies that we review each week and we will say farewell friends peace